This is Shout Podcast, the official health and well-being podcast from the Firefighters Charity. Hello, welcome to episode seven of season two of the Shout Podcast. Well into this season where we're focusing on health and well-being, taking a look at specific topics or issues and speaking to beneficiaries and experts. This episode is all about carers. We'll be speaking to the charity's welfare services lead, Carrie Pierce, around what caring for someone actually means and what the burdens of caring can be. Rebecca Pocklington speaks to beneficiary Maureen Allen about how she's been caring for husband Clive, who's a retired firefighter following a stroke. And we also talk to the charity's welfare caseworker, Sharon Dobson, and clinical assistant Lucy Milton and nurse Janet Brown in a roundtable discussion about the many types of carers there can be and the different circumstances people may find themselves in. And as always, we'll round off this episode with information on how the charity may be able to help you. You're listening to Shout Podcast from the Firefighters Charity. So first up, let's hear from Carrie Pierce about what it means to care for someone. A carer is defined possibly as as someone that offers help and support to another person who perhaps isn't able to manage every aspect of their daily living themselves. So perhaps someone that is dependent because of ill health or perhaps a friend that's going through a tough time. It could be that somebody does volunteer caring in their community. I think it's all about providing another person with love, security. It's about building strong relationships and making a positive difference to another person's life. When you talked about the the definition of a carer, it's it's such a a wide area really, isn't it? I guess there are people who are full-time carers who do this day in and day out. And then there are others that perhaps just just care for a week or so, just look after people, but can still come under that umbrella, yeah? Absolutely. Um, yeah, as you say there, you know, we have we have lots of carers who have that 24-hour caring responsibility. Others that maybe just provide support in other ways. So it might be things like help with doing shopping or cleaning or managing money and budgeting, that type of thing. So it doesn't have to be 24 hours. It can be, you know, as little or as often as people need. There's no kind of, I guess, real defined job description for a carer it is literally all based on that individual's needs is there a burden that's involved with caring as well i think so i certainly can speak from personal experience i know that 24-hour caring for someone can be extremely rewarding getting to know that individual you know their likes and dislikes their their story, their history, but that also comes with its difficulties and its problems because that role is 24-hour role. I think lots of carers that do this lose their own identity. Perhaps they're grieving for a partner, you know, who's perhaps, I don't know, perhaps somebody that has dementia or, you know, a longer-term health illness where perhaps the relationship has changed because of an ill health situation yeah I think lots of carers lose it as I say lose their identity you know their own feelings and things that they need perhaps go out the window there's a, there's a large lack of support out there for these for these types of carers it is it's it's 24 hours and very very demanding and challenging we can all spend time thinking about the people that are being cared for 
and appreciate that they're having a tough time and mm-hmm. that it can be difficult for them. But I think the message here is we need to think about the person caring for them as well. So what can be done to help the carers? I think it's very important that carers seek the support that they need, that they link up with family, friends, statutory provision, make sure that they are having their own needs met as well, Um, having regular breaks, caring for somebody is extremely difficult, particularly if it's, you know, a, a long term caring relationship having that time to yourself perhaps to meet friends to you know to not lose your own social connections not to become isolated is really really important you're listening to shout podcast from the firefighters charity maureen has been supporting her husband clive at home for two years after he suffered a stroke Clive had retired from West Yorkshire Fire and Rescue Service in 2013 and the couple had enjoyed a very active lifestyle until then. They have both been supported by the charity, both digitally and in centres, ever since. It was May 2019. Um, Clive wasn't very well. He was just a little bit off it on the Saturday and then on um, the Sunday he had um, it was very obvious a stroke like all the signs that you see on the television what people tell you about when we got to the hospital they said he'd actually had two strokes but he'd been very lucky um, and it hadn't done any damage so they wanted him to stay in the hospital just to check his medication um, and then unfortunately he had another stroke in the hospital and that took all his left side you were by his side throughout this. It must have been quite a shock for you, was it? How were you feeling in those sort of first few weeks? It was a shock because he was so fit. He just, he was like the last person I thought would ever happen to. And I think he just, you're just a bit shell-shocked really. And yeah, it's just, I can't describe it. It's terrible. Did the doctors give you an idea of his recovery and how much movement he could potentially regain at that point? No, every, I kept asking them, but all they said was um, everybody was different. So I don't think they wanted to build build your hopes up. But I mean, they started working with him straight away, um, and that was pretty positive. They, they could see flickers in his in his muscles in his legs, but yeah, it was really tough. After the ten weeks in hospital, then um, you brought Clive home. What kind of support did you have when you first got home or did you kind of have to step into full-time carer straight away? Yeah, I had to step into full-time carer. Um, we changed the living room, made that into a bedroom. So they, the hospital sent everything we needed, like a hospital bed and um, commode and just a, a rotor stand so he could put his legs, well, I, I put his legs on it, we could, we could move him and then some people came out to see how I coped with it but they didn't do anything they just kind of observed me and Clive to see how we got on. The first few months it was um I'd have to get him with like I'd bathe him like a bed bath and dress him give him his breakfast he obviously he could use his right hand to feed himself with and then we'd um wait for the physios to come for his treatment I'd helping with his arms you know like movement in his arm like exercises and then we'd have a walk out he could put him in the wheelchair and we'd go out and yeah and we've got a son and daughter so they helped um 
and we we take him out because he he's not a little bloke so it was kind of hard pushing him around in the wheelchair but we had to do it you've got to keep going haven't you it must have been a huge mental impact for the two of you for you personally what what were you focusing on in those sort of days when you were struggling a little bit more just focusing on, on helping him I just felt grateful that he was still with us because it could have been so much worse. So, you know, if he was in a wheelchair, then at least he was here and we could improve on that. And and we were just telling him that things could still be good, trying to encourage him. Was he struggling mentally at that point as well? Did he, did you kind of rely on each other quite a lot for that um, boost? He always, he always keeps positive. Clive um, I think he, he did really well to be honest I think we both did because I think we had no choice Do you think it's important because uh, so many family members sort of step up and become carers for loved ones and you know that's not their professional job that's not their professional experience do you think it's important that they're recognised and uh, the work that they do is recognised? Oh, definitely, definitely. Anybody who's looking after somebody, then carers should be recognised. And I think that's probably the problem that they're not other. Um, everything's focused on the patient, which which is good. But I do think carers get forgotten about. Even now, are you sort of are you still largely caring for Clive day to day? Is that going to be an ongoing process for a while? Um, I think. I think I have to support him for quite a while. I don't, I don't, I said this to Kath, I didn't really think that I was, I don't look at myself as a carer, that I'm his wife and I sh- that's what I would do for him. So when did you first reach out to the firefighters charity? It was while Clive was still in hospital and all of the lads from his shift came down and, and we'd spoke about it previously and Clive, they I think they put us in touch with them straight away. Clive was very lucky to be invited to Jubilee House. When we first went there, I was lucky enough to go up with him. And he was on the nursing, um, he was with the nursing team. He was in his wheelchair, but he could still do some walking, but very little. He still needed his, his wheelchair for support. And he was there for a week. The support they'll give people is just second to none. I wouldn't have been without them, and, and I know Clive wouldn't either. You're listening to Shout Podcast from the Firefighters Charity. So we know what it means to care for someone, and we've indeed heard that very moving story from Maureen and Clive. Now let's join our roundtable discussion with the charity's welfare caseworker Sharon Dobson, clinical assistant Lucy Milton and nurse Janet Brown. They're talking about the many types of carers there can be and the different circumstances people may find themselves in. Yes, so we have a a, a very range of carers. Um, You know, we've got young children, basically, you know, 12-year-old looking after his his mum, who's a single parent. Um, She's got motor neurons disease. He's got a younger brother and sister. So, you know, he's doing personal care. He's making them meals. He's taking them to school. You know, really has taken on that full-time role. At 12 year old is a huge responsibility. Um, we've got, you know, young married couples, partners had a stroke, you know, they may be in their early 30s, um, you know, suddenly your wife becomes a full-time carer for you at that age is just totally unexpected. We've got 
young teenagers looking after grandparents you know we've we've got the more obvious which would be sort of an elderly couple who are not sure sometimes who's caring for who um different conditions some you know somebody with maybe sort of an alzheimer type condition but there's somebody with a physical condition so they're both between them they're managing but you know they're really looking out for each other so we really have a varied range of, of different carers. The clients that we get here some of them their lives has been turned upside down overnight families haven't anticipated what's going to happen and what indeed their future is going to hold somebody kind of got up in the morning heading off to work had a stroke and then their capacity to look after their family, manage the finances, do the cooking has all suddenly changed overnight. And that's when the family has to come in and help and perhaps assume roles that they never thought that they were going to have to assume. I also like, like Janet was saying, that we have time. So we had a beneficiary who came to us who had a stroke and all he wanted to do was to be able to put his socks on so his wife didn't have to do any of that anymore and because we had the time I could sit for an hour with him try to figure out different ways to make it easier for him to do that so that he was more independent when he went back home again so when they come here and hand over the care to us then even if it's just for one week every year they can be like husband and wife again and not carers to each other and that's really nice they can socialize and you know, a lot of them can't get out normally. So the fact they can go down the bar and just enjoy the cell chatting to other people is really nice as well. From our point of view, the welfare side, um, you know, we can come in and, and offer advice on getting outside professional help in, you know, speaking to social services, liaising with that kind of outside agencies. So they've got the care that they need, but also equipment they may need in the house if they are sole carers, you know, the elderly wife says caring for husband she might need hoists lifts stair lifts that kind of thing you know that's where the welfare team would come in and try and you know facilitate what we can basically um just looking at the wider picture a lot of people who we have ongoing telephone support for um whose relative could have passed away a year 18 months ago but we're still there to support them you know long after the event because often it's so life-changing for them. They've spent three, four years, 24-7 caring for somebody, and then all of a sudden that part of their life's gone. It's not just the loss of the person, it's a, the whole change of circumstances can be massive for somebody. We are very privileged to have this job and we enjoy it very much. And it really opens our eyes to the fact that whilst we do our work, we do our shift, we very much enjoy looking after our clients. But for us, at the end of the day, we can go home. Whereas for a carer, their job just goes on and on and on. So, Kerry, so far in this episode, you've told us about what caring for someone actually means. We've heard from beneficiary Maureen, who's been caring for her husband, Clive. And in that roundtable discussion, we found out a lot more about different types of carers. But can you now tell us how the charity might actually be able to help those who are carers? We can help carers in, in quite a few ways. We have a number of different things that we currently offer at the moment. We have a social media group for carers. We run regular care catch-ups, virtual tea and coffee chats, talk through problems that carers are experiencing. In June, in line with National Carers Week, we're going to be running a virtual quiz where people can come and have a cup of tea and a bit of fun, get away from, you know, the everyday caring responsibilities for an hour. 
We have, as I say, our welfare services, which can help with a lot of the practical things, point people in the, the direction of statutory provision, make sure that people connected in their own communities know where to find support if they need it. Recuperation, you know, inviting people to come to the centres perhaps for a break with their care, the person that they care for, or, you know, on their own if, if they're having that carer's break. We've got our nursing support services that offer breaks to families, so respite really, and can come with the, the cared for. Uh, living well groups, which at the moment are being run virtually for those people that you know have caring responsibilities at home that might want to meet up with other people. And our child and family programmes, which we run four times a year for families who've got caring responsibilities for children with special needs, and we'll run activity breaks and things like that for those families. So there's quite a lot that the charity's got to offer. The things that you're talking about are quite incredible, and I can only imagine that sometimes carers might just think, well, this is just what I do. I have to do it. And, you know, I, I just get on with it. There isn't anything there for me. But actually, the truth is there is so much support available. And the trick is, like anyone, just reach out and ask for some help, perhaps. Absolutely. I think lots of people that are in caring situations don't really see themselves as carers. We take on that role, don't we, of looking after our family members and our friends. And we do that quite willingly with any thought or whatever for our own needs. And, you know, I think it's really important that we get that message out that, you know, there's support here for carers that, you know, we all need support, basically. And, yeah, it's very important to reach out and get that support. And what about if we know a carer? that maybe is going to say, oh, no, that's not for me. Is there a way to kind of approach a carer and say, why don't you just try this? Um, I guess that's about that individual, isn't it, and how well you know that individual and and being able to say, you know, I think it's, it's fantastic what you do. You're doing a really, really valuable thing. But have you thought, you know... What, what about you? What do you need? And just, you know, simple things like maybe somebody sitting with someone for a couple of hours so a carer can go out and, I don't know, do some shopping, go to the hairdressers, go dig their allotment, whatever it is that they like to do for themselves. It's about just having someone that, as I say, maybe can sit with that person, someone to talk to when times are a bit tough. I think that's basically the kinds of conversations that people, friends and, and relatives can have with carers. Yeah, we can care for the carers, can't we? Absolutely, absolutely. As as we were saying a moment ago, so many of them don't identify as having those caring responsibilities, will not recognise that perhaps they need that support too. Carrie, you've given us some absolutely wonderful advice. Where can we go to find out more? Obviously come to us at the charity and you can reach us through our support line. And our assessment practitioners will be able to put you in touch with um, our welfare services or any of the other services within the charity. We'll also be able to help people to make those contacts in their local community, refer them on to other organisations that might be able to offer them support as well. So as always, if you'd like to find out more about the topics we've discussed today, then you can head to the Firefighters Charity website, firefighterscharity.org.uk forward slash shout podcast, where we've got links to articles and lots more information. You can make sure you don't miss any of these main podcasts or the additional Shout Podcast Plus episodes by subscribing via your usual platform. And please, a review is super helpful. 
Coming up on the next episode in a fortnight's time, we're talking nutrition. We speak to health improvement lead Greg Lessons on what we mean by healthy eating and a balanced diet. We explore healthier food alternatives that you might not have considered. We, of course, talk about the importance of hydration and how that can be underestimated. And as always, we'll have links to how the charity can help. Until then, take care. Shout Podcast. Please subscribe and review us wherever you get your podcasts and check out firefightercharity.org.uk to find out how the Firefighters Charity could support you. If you liked Shout Podcast, you're going to love My Firefighters Charity, the new social media well-being and fundraising app for the fire services community. Packed with great well-being content from the expert teams at the Firefighters Charity, you can connect with others, join groups, collaborate and have fun with your fire family friends across the UK. And you can get the advice and help you're after from the Firefighters Charity whenever you need it. Head to your app store, search for My Firefighters Charity and register for free today.